Matthew 25 again, and this is Jesus teaching us about the kingdom. That's why he says again, because he's giving us another kingdom principle. Again, it will be like a man on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, another two bags, another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on the journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the one who had only received one bag, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, my good and faithful servant. Anybody want to hear that one day? I want to hear that. Here's what I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear, well, you're done. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. So, so you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Or you've been faithful in the little. I'll make you ruler over much. Come and share your master's happiness. Now the same thing would happen to the man with the two bags of gold. So we're going to skip to the man with one bag. Verse 24, the man who had received only one bag of gold, he came, he said, master, I knew you were a hard man. Now time out. You don't see that. You don't see that in the text. You're a hard man. You're a harsh man. You don't see that. This, this is a picture of, of Christ. And, and think about it. He's out passing out bags of gold to people. This isn't a hard man. This is a kind man, a generous man, a trusting man, an empowering man. This is who your God is. But if you think that Jesus is harsh, see, your, your life is going to look like your theology. The, the great theologian A.W. Tozer said that what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because if you think he's harsh, you're going to be constantly in a, in a retreating mode. But if you know he's gracious and a giver, you're going to constantly run to him. Harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And the master replied, you, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I harvest where I'm not sown, gathered where I'm not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I return... I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one with 10 bags for whoever has. Now, this is a mentality. This is what I call a, a positive stronghold, a, a positive way of thinking that, that I have. And because I have, I can receive more because I have a grateful spirit because gratitude makes what you do have enough. But even... Look, look to the next guy. But whoever does not have, that's a mentality. That's a, I never have enough. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual mindset. I, I can't believe that pastor just talked about money. How dare he? See, it's a, it's a, in this economy, right? Like we're doing okay. But does that make sense? It's like a, it's a, it's a spirit. Even if you say you don't have, even what you do have be taken from them all right I want to talk for a couple of moments from this idea multiply 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 father help us in Jesus name and the whole church said a good amen and amen and amen good to see you bro as always you're the best I like the promoting the product go go download the new song amen praise God so if I, asked, if I asked most people what was God's first command to his first man, most people would say, don't eat the tree. That's what most people would think was God's first command to his first man. They would, they would think it was don't eat 
the tree. But God's first command to his first man was not actually no, it was actually yes. Imagine if that was his first conversation. Adam opens his eyes and there's God going, now there's a tree over there, don't you dare touch it. (laughs) Yes, sir. No, that wasn't his first command. God's first command was yes. Um, Imagine if that was your first word to your first child. The nurses hand you that baby and you just look at that baby and you go, no. I don't know why you're crying. I don't know why you're sad. I don't know what you got planned, but no, and get potty trained quick. No. No, if, if your first words were no to your child, those nurses would take that baby as quickly as they gave them to you. Your, your first words were something like my first words to my baby, like, yeah, whatever you want. It's done. I'll do whatever I got to do. I, yes, yes. See, God's first word to his first man was not no. It was, it was yes. It was this. And God, God blessed them. And God said to them, Genesis 1.28, be fruitful. Multiply. Subdue. Adam, this is all yours, brother. Go for it. God's first command to his first man was not no, but it was yes. And if Adam would have been obeying God's yes, he would have never been tempted with the enemy's deception. So when when Eve would have called her hubby over and said, Babe, I want you to meet my new friend. It's this little snake called Louie. If your name is Louie, we, we love you, eh? Man, we love you. Uh, we got the, I, got the, I met this new little friend named Louie. Come, come talk to him. Adam, if Adam would have been walking in God's yes, Adam would have said, yeah, let me meet this little critter. And Adam would have subdued. And Adam would have said, get out of my garden. And if Adam would have been walking in God's yes, he would have never been tempted with the enemy's temptation. And see, here's what you need to know about your life. Your life is Eden. Your life is a garden. Your life is a place of opportunity. It's not fully developed yet. It's a place to multiply. It's a place to work. It's a place to protect. It's a place to invite God into and kick devils out of. It's it's your Eden. It's your garden. Because see... Eden was never supposed to stay in the four boundaries of the four rivers. Eden was supposed to multiply. Everybody say multiply. Eden Eden was supposed to multiply and eventually cover the whole entire earth. And so what God gives us is he gives us a raw state, a raw place, and then we have to work that thing, grow that thing, protect that thing. Your life is a garden, and in your garden is the presence of God and the presence of God of an enemy, the voice of God and the voice of an accuser. Opportunities and temptations, possibilities and limitations. Your life is a garden. Your marriage is a garden. Any of y'all had to kick a snake out of your marriage yet? You got to. Your singleness is a garden. I was going to ask who the single people are, but it's 9 a.m. Yet they aren't, they aren't awake yet. Your, your heart is a garden. Your your soul is a garden. Your, your ministry is a garden. Your business is a garden. And, and, and there's the opportunities and the possibilities of God, but there are the temptations of the enemy. So God said, I'm going to give you something. And I want you to multiply it. I want you to grow it. I want you to enlarge it. I, I, want, you to, I want you to do something with what I've given you. God provided the garden, the conditions for people to grow. 
the conditions for something to be worked and tilled and harvested and protected and something to steward. And so, so I want you to catch this now because as we go to Matthew 25, here's, here's some ideas that I don't want us to miss. And the first is this, God is a giver. God's a giver. I got four amens, but it's true anyway. God's a giver. God, he is. He really is. And, and, and you got to understand this. He, he brings his servants together and he, and he gives them stuff. This, this is how God operates. If you want to know how God operates in your life, he operates under the principle of John 3.16. He loves you and he gives to you. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is what God's going to do. He's going to love you and gives to you. He loves you and gives to you. He loves you and he gives to you. He loves you and he gives to you. This is what God does. And a lot of you are going, yeah, 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 I know that scripture. I know God loves me, I, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I think he has to. He's, he is love. So, yeah, I think God loves me. But, but preacher, God, God's never given me anything. <laughs> you know, he's blessed them over there and blessed them over there. And he's blessed the Hilton family over there. And he's blessed... The other Hilton family over the hotel family. I just couldn't pass it up. Uh, and, he's, and he's blessed that person on my row. And he's, but he's never, he's never given me anything. And, and remember that if that's your mentality, if you, if you say, I have nothing, you'll have nothing. So, so maybe we just haven't recognized how God gives to us. Because... Remember, we're talking about the kingdom. Here's what Jesus says about the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 4, the kingdom of God, it's like, a, it's like a seed. Look at that little pitiful thing. It's like a seed. That's the kingdom. That is not what you think of when you think of the kingdom of God. It's not the White House. It's not Buckingham Palace. It's not Air Force One rolling into town, causing traffic jams with Black SUVs and red carpets and dignitaries and security. No, no, no. This is the kingdom. <sighs> so, so a lot of us are praying for things. And we're looking, we're, we're praying big prayers looking for big answers. And God goes, I don't answer big. I hope this isn't, you're like, why did I come on a holiday weekend to hear this? I could have, I could have watched Joel Osteen this morning and been on the lake. I could have watched Joel on the lake, and here I am. Listen, because, because we pray for things, and we're expecting fully formed manifestations to our prayers. And God goes, I don't answer that way. I actually answer like this, because everything in the kingdom begins in seed form. So a lot of you are looking right over the answer to your prayer because it came in a form you do not recognize. Because if God gave it to you the way you prayed it, it wouldn't require faith. Because then he would just be a genie in a bottle. And he goes, I'm not like that. I have to grow you on the inside while I'm answering your prayers. Okay, okay. Let me, let me prove it with, uh, with a text from the Old Testament. There's this text in the Old Testament. Uh, in the book of Exodus where, where the, the people come to Moses and they go, Moses, we want bread. We are sick and tired of this desert diet, this keto, <laughs> high protein, low carb. <laughs> amen. Can I get an amen for bread in the house of the Lord on a holiday weekend when calories don't count? Can I? 
Amen. And so they go, we're, we're sick of this. We're sick. If, if we eat one more chicken breast, we're going we gonna to punch somebody. We want bread. So, so Moses goes, well, I don't know if you want bread. It's going to give you that wheat belly. And I don't know, gluten is, I don't think it's very good for you. And they go, we don't care. We want bread. And so he goes, let me go talk to God. So he goes to God. He goes, hey, God, uh, they want bread. God goes, they don't really want bread. That's going to give them a wee belly, and they're going to have the gluten intolerance. No, 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 they want bread. And, and you know what God goes? God goes, you know what? You tell them bread in the morning. Amen. Bread in the morning. Amen for bread in the morning. So, so the people rejoice. They, they rejoice like we rejoice, right? We go to the restaurant. We're hangry. We're grumpy. We just waited two hours outside of a cheesecake factory. It's a million degrees outside in Charlotte, but we finally got in, and we're frustrated. We sit down, and we're angry, but then that bread comes... And we look at our waitress who go, we're sorry for everything we said before we got bread. We're actually Christians. If you're ever in Johnson City, you should come to our church. It's really great. You'd love our preacher, Robbie Hilton. Praise God. All of a sudden, you become an evangelist. Amen. Once you get some bread, you're like, you know, God is good. God is good. God is, the Lord is faithful. So they get, so they, they celebrate. We're going to get bread in the morning. And, and, and they wake up, they wake up the next morning. They wake up the next morning. And, and they go, oh, Moses, we, we prayed for bread, right? Moses goes, yeah. Um, Exodus 16, 31. And they called the food manna. M Moses, we, we prayed, right, for bread. We made that clear, yeah. Um, manna. I, I felt like we were very, I, Lord, I feel like I've been praying really clear prayers to you, Lord. I feel like I've been making my requests known unto God. Manna. See, manna is not an English word. It's actually a Hebrew phrase, and it's a question. Manna means, what is it? Can we, can we put it back up one more time? They called it food. They called it manna because it was like seed. I don't know if you caught that. It was like seed. Uh, Moses, we pray for bread, right? Yeah. Manna. Because God don't make bread. God gives seed. They're staring at the answer to their prayer. And they can't recognize their own miracle. Because it came in a form that stretched their faith. Because here's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to take that seed and they were supposed to take it back into their home. They were supposed to meal it, put it into a flour, turn it into a dough, and then they were to bake it and then they were to eat it. Because God goes, I don't give fully formed miracles. I let you in on the process because if I did everything for you, you'd be a spoiled brat. So I actually have to, I actually have to grow you while I answer your prayers. I don't make bread. I give seed. And some of you are looking at your life right now going, manna. Some of you are looking at your marriage right now going, manna. Some of you, some of you ladies got woken up by your husband snoring at 3 a.m. last night and you went, what is it? <laughs> and some of you men thought you married the woman of your dreams and you woke up this morning and you saw her sleeping there just, <sighs> and you went, manna, and 
And some of you moved here for a job and you thought God answered your prayer and now you're going manna. And some of you, some of you thought you were finally stepping into your destiny and now you're going, what is it? And I would just challenge you, you're actually right in the middle of the will of God for your life, but it's in seed form because God's stretching you, God's growing you. God has to increase you. God has to multiply you so you can handle the blessing he puts on you. And maybe you're in a manna moment right now, but don't be discouraged. You're just in seed form. You're right where you're supposed to be, just in seed form. I got this vision to plant a church five years ago, and it looked like this. I was traveling the world, preaching at the greatest churches in America, looking at full buildings, beautiful buildings all over the world. And I'm going, I'm going to do what I want to do that. And then we got 26 different no's on locations. Until finally, a junior high school allowed us to meet in their cafeteria. And I walked into that cafeteria and I said, what is it? I smelt the smells of a junior high cafeteria and I said, manna. Can I tell you, it, it, was, it was everything I needed. It was a seed. It was a seed. So now, now people are asking me, Javen, how, how in five years are you building a $20 million facility? Because I, I started here. And I stewarded this. And I never complained about my man a moment. I never complained about that first little building. I'm not complaining right now that we're portable and we're meeting now in a high school auditorium. I've never, I've never complained about the seed God gave me because I know that if I complain about this, it will never be able to manifest. And so now we've seen over 11,000 people come to Christ in the last five years. And the church is growing and the church is prospering and people are coming every week getting saved and healed and filled with the spirit of God and people are being restored but it didn't but it didn't look that way but let me say this when we started it was just as much the kingdom last week I was honored I got to preach at Elevation Church in Charlotte and when you when you go into their back in their like little green room there's a picture of Sunday number one and there's Stephen Furtick with a bald head and a guitar and he's having a lead worship and there's 100 people in the audience and, and I brought my music director with me, and I said, you see that? That's day one. And he went, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know that. that because now it's 20,000 people, and it's buildings all over the East Coast, and it's, and it's the tours, and it's the songs, and we're singing them today. But, but all that you see today started right here. And that, that little Sunday morning with 100 people, with pastor leading worship, was just as much the kingdom. So, so don't be discouraged in the manna. God's a giver. Se secondly, secondly, I have to steward what he's given me. <clears throat> I have to steward it. So, so they took the bag of gold, the Bible said, and he worked it. He worked it. You got to do something with the opportunity God gives you. What is stewardship? Stewardship to me is choosing what I want most, not what I want now. 
Now, the younger you are, the harder that is. Like, if you're under 30 right now, that's really challenging. Because everything you want now is junk and depreciating and bling and dumb. <laughs> but what you want most is how you got to start living your life. And, and, and because as you get older, you really start thinking about we were playing golf yesterday with Pastor Richard, Pastor Robbie's dad. And he goes, you know, the closer I get to, to seeing Jesus, it just starts changing everything that you do. Because you start, you start making every decision off of what you want most, not what you want now. Because what you want now is fleeting, but what you want most is eternal. And you're going, but that's really hard to do. It's, it's not that hard to do because remember this. You get to make decisions as a child of God based off of vision and hope. And dreams and faith, not just appetite. Never forget that. Just because you want to do it doesn't mean you have to do it. You get to make decisions based off of vision. Because your appetite is screaming for one thing, but your vision is saying there's a better way. So we had this little dog and a little Bentley, this little furball. You could feed him anything and he'd eat it. Because he's a dog, right? You put a carrot in front of him, he'll eat an apple, filet mignon, he don't care. Lobster, chocolate, can't give him chocolate, don't give a dog chocolate. Right? Because he'd eat it, because he's a dog. Uh, b- before we, um, let me be gentle here, it's the 9 a.m. Before we fixed Bentley, <laughs> he assaulted our home. I mean, everything. <laughs> It could be a knee, it could be a pillow, it could be a barbed wire fence, it could be, be a can of mace, he didn't care. A dog was going, he was going, he was going to do his thing before we fixed it. Why? Because he's a dog. But can, can, I, can I remind the church in 2023, you're not an animal. You're a child of God, made in the image of God, filled with the Spirit of God, washed in the blood of Jesus. And therefore, you don't just have to go with cravings and desires. You actually get to get a vision for your life and go, I want this now, but I want that most. And so I'm going to do what God's called me to do, not what my body's telling me to do. Give me a good amen in the house of the Lord. So I have to see my life as a seed. Now, here's the reality of this seed. If I, if I take this seed and eat it, it dies. The moment I eat it, it's gone. It's dead. It dies. And it has no more potential. Now, if I take this seed and I place it in my pantry, and I pray over it, and I plead the blood of Jesus over it, and I, and I play the new Calvary single over it 24 hours a day, and I bind and loose and tell principalities to go and command angels to move and pray in tongues over it. As long as I store it, it's dormant. It doesn't matter all the charismatic actions I do around it. As long as it's stored, it's dormant. So if I eat it, it dies. And if I store it, it's dormant. But if I'll sow it. It becomes dynamic. Are you receiving an offering? No, I'm not. Relax. Because this little thing is your life. And if, and if you just want to live for yourself, it's dead. 
And if you just want to live in defensive, it's going to be dormant. But if you will sow your life and give your life away and trust God with your life and trust God with your family and trust God with your future and trust God with your potential and trust God with your gifts and trust God with your business and trust God with your talents, that God can make something dynamic of your life beautiful of your life, amazing of your life. I'm not here because I'm the right person to be up here. I'm not here because I come from the right pedigree. I'm not here because I come from a preacher's home. I'm not here because I come from a family of ministry. I'm not here because I'm the most talented or best looking or most this or most that. I'm here because I sowed my way here. I gave my way here. I, I just chose to give my life away to the kingdom of God 20 years ago and I never looked back. And it's like the more I give my life away, the more I receive, and the higher I go. And I didn't earn it, I didn't buy it, but I did sow for it. And so can you. Lastly, lastly, little becomes much. Little becomes much. Little. You were faithful in the little. And I'm going to make you ruler over much. I want you to catch it. You are faithful. And we don't like the little. We don't celebrate the little. We're not happy about the little. We're not grateful for the little. But I have to learn how to be faithful in the little if I ever want to grow. I have to learn to find joy and contentment in the little and gratitude in the little if I ever want to grow. So God said it like this. Don't despise these small beginnings. Don't look down on them. Don't roll your eyes at them. Don't shrug your shoulders at them. Don't curse them. Don't despise these small beginnings. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. For the Lord, he rejoices to see the work begin. And if God's rejoicing, I want to rejoice. And if God's excited about the little, I want to be excited about the little. And if, if God sees the potential, I have to see the potential. See, the, the man had one bag of gold. And therefore, he couldn't celebrate it because he was looking at everybody else with five bags of gold. And he was limiting what God had given him. And many of you are looking at your seed right now and you're going, this isn't much. Yeah, it's not much to you. But to God, it's everything. Because to God, this is the kingdom. So you see the seed. God sees the potential in the seed. You see the smallness of the seed. God sees the harvest in the seed. You see your life right now and you go, how could God do anything? And God goes, you don't know who I am. I can do a lot with a little. I don't need much to do much. Come on, can we give God some praise in the house right now? Don't give up in seed form. You're not buried. You're planted. You're right where God wants you, doing everything God wants you to do. But you can't despise this. you got to celebrate this. He, he despised the smallness of his opportunity because to him it was small and to God it was never small. Here's the amazing thing about that text. Three men and none of them decided where they started. And neither do you and neither do I. And you didn't choose your last name and you didn't choose your curses. You didn't choose your race, your ethnicity. You didn't choose your gender. You didn't choose, you didn't choose your struggles. You didn't choose your bents and proclivities. You didn't choose your blessings. None of us choose where we start. But we all have a say 
in our seed. And we all have a say in our future. And we could, we could die complaining about where we started. Or we could sow into a greater tomorrow. And we could trust God with a greater tomorrow. And we could see God do something with a greater tomorrow. Because, because this man saw the smallness of his seed. But God saw the opportunity of the seed. And I love the old quote that says you can count the seeds in an apple. But you can't count the apples in the seed. Because <sighs> in just one seed is an orchard of opportunity. And some of y'all don't like your one seed, but if you would work that thing until that thing and believe God with that thing and trust God with that thing, I'm telling you, God could do more. And we look at people who are blessed and we go, they must have had a lot of opportunity. And I would say, no. Maybe they were just able to work that little thing God gave them. There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, there's a woman who needs a miracle. For real, she needs a miracle. Her husband has died, and the creditors are coming, and they're going to take away, in, in this culture, they're not only going to take away her home and her possessions, they're going to take away her and her children, sell them into slavery. And so, so she needs a miracle. And she finds her deceased husband's former employer, Elisha. And she runs up to Elisha and she goes, you, you know my husband was a good man and he served you. In other words, hook it up. I think that was in the Hebrew language, amen. If you read it in the Hebrew like I do, she said, hook it up, bro. She needs a miracle. I get it. She needs a miracle. And Elisha doesn't go, yeah, man, you need a miracle. Let's believe God for a miracle. No, that's not what he does. He goes, tell me. Well, watch this, 2 Kings 4, 2. Tell me. Um. What do you have in your house? And I'm thinking, who cares? What, what do you have? I want to talk about what I have. I want to talk about what I lost. What do you have left? I don't care about what I have left. I want to talk about the pain that I've endured. But see, Elisha knew something. Elisha knew that what she lost was painful, but what she had left was powerful. That what she had left was prophetic. That what she had left could break the curse over her family. And what you have left is powerful and prophetic and can break the curse over your family. And so he goes, so what do you got? And she goes, I don't have anything. Can we put it back up one more time? She goes, I don't have anything. Nothing at all. See, and I, after that little comma right there, I see this being a 10-minute little Holy Ghost stare down. That's what I see. I don't have anything. Nothing? Nothing. You don't have like nothing? Nothing. Are you sure you don't have it? Nothing. They all have it. I don't have anything. All my friends have it. They don't have it. Everyone on my rose blessed. I don't have anything. Nothing. Are you sure you don't have anything? And I think as I think the longer this went on, I think she went, you know what? This joker can like call down fire. He could call some she bears down to eat me and my kids. I better give him a better answer. He's not liking my answer. So she goes, I don't have anything, but um, I got this. I got this little jar of olive oil. You got something? <sighs> Never lose your oil. Because all you need is your anointing to recover everything. 
that you lost. You got a seed. And basically, Elisha said, sow it. Go gather vessels and begin to pour. See, because what she had was not enough to pay off her debtors. But it was enough for Jesus to do a miracle. And what you have right now is not enough to do what you're supposed to do. But it is enough for God to multiply. So we're looking at our not enough going, I don't, it's, it's not enough. And God's going, I know it's not enough, but I don't want your enough. I don't want your strength. I want your weakness. Give me your not enough. Do you, remember the, do you remember the boy with the five loaves and two fish? You remember that? And, and Jesus said, let's feed 20,000 people. And the disciples went, we don't have enough. Jesus went, I, I, you don't need enough. What do you got? And this little boy walks up. He goes, I got this little meal from Captain D's. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not enough, but it's all I've got. And all you've got is all God wants. So Jesus said, let me, let me have that little Captain D's lunch. Y'all ever wonder how Captain D stays open? Y'all ever feel that way? <laughs> Captain D's, Long John Silver's, you walk in, no one's ever there. It's kind of giving off a breaking bad, kind of like what's happening in the kitchen. Anyway, I don't watch Breaking Bad, but I've heard about it. I actually wake up every morning, watch TBN, and then I watch The Passion of the Christ, and then I pray for five hours. So I don't watch Breaking Bad. But Pastor Robbie was telling me about this show called Breaking Bad. And he said it's real good. I said, I don't watch stuff like that. If it ain't on TBN, it don't go in these eyes. But anyway, so, he, so he's got his little Breaking Bad lunch, got his little Captain D's lunch. And Jesus takes it. And if you would ever give him something, he'd take it. Like, would, would God do anything with this? Yeah, yeah, he'll take anything. He'll, he'll work with anything. So, 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 so Jesus takes it and he breaks it and he blesses it. And then watch this. The miracle doesn't happen in Jesus' hands. He puts it back in the boy's hands and says, go multiply Some of y'all are waiting on Jesus to do the miracle, and Jesus is waiting on you to work the seed. Whatever the Lord's calling you to do right now, do it. Because you will never feel like you're enough. You'll never feel spiritual enough. You'll never feel like you pray enough. You'll never feel pure enough. You'll never feel godly enough. You'll always be so well acquainted with your weakness but you obey God anyway and God will do something with your life that you could have never done unless you multiplied so Calvary I bless you in the name of Jesus would you lift your hands all over the room I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I declare over you multiply I declare, use that gift, use that seed, use that opportunity, use that talent, use that vision, use that dream, use that thing that's in your heart and 
do something with it. Give it to God and watch God do a miracle. What you have is not enough in your hands, but it's more than enough in God's hands. And God is about to bless your life, bless your opportunity, and multiply your seed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Let's give God a big, big, big shout of praise.